Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, my friend Nate Tice from The Athletic joins me. We're not doing hot takes. We're going to challenge some conventional wisdom with some evidence behind it. I would say it's maybe, as Nate would call it, some mini takes. We're going to get to some ideas that may challenge how you approach real football this upcoming year or your fantasy football drafts in the weeks to come. But first, before we get into that, I want to tell you about another podcast, ESPN in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions presents not just football with Cam Hayward. Each week, fans get a peek behind the curtain of NFL life. Pittsburgh Steelers defensive tackle and five-time pro bowler Cam Hayward gives his unfiltered thoughts on the league and headlines across all sports. That's not just football with Cam Hayward. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Nate Tice talking about some of the maybe storylines we should be taking a shot at heading into the 2022 NFL season. All right, joining me now here as promised on the Bill Barnwell Show, not just a friend and not just someone who is a frequent contributor to this podcast, but someone I had pizza with earlier this week where we hatched the idea for this podcast over a delicious slice, or in my case, several slices of good pie in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada, in the arts district of Las Vegas, Nevada. Joining me today is my friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how are you? How is our pizza? The pizza was great. I It was literally a slice for me, because as I explained to you, going to lunch there was all to appease my wife, to bring her home a pizza. And go, Here's a whole pie for you, minus one slice. <laughs> I feel like Forrest Gump, when he get the box of chocolates, he's like, I ate some. Like, that's kind of how I felt <laughs> when I came home with that slice or that whole pie. But that was delicious. And that was a, a, a lovely meal we had together the other day. I, I really, really enjoyed my time in downtown Las Vegas with you. I think we could earn a good pie sponsorship if we tried hard enough. Well, they need a freaking Twitter account. I, I don't go on Instagram enough, so mm -hmm. I, I can't like, tag them and do all that. But man, if they had a Twitter account, I'm sure I could maybe get a hat out of the deal. Like, I mean, I <laughs> one mean, pepperoni, not even a pepperoni not slice, pepperoni just, one slice. just one cured cup, uncured cup pepperoni. I, I mean, you could just start that Twitter account and dare them to stop you. <laughs> don't like the people that squat on like yeah. famous people's names. Yeah, mm -hmm. just goodbye LV. Yeah, goodbye oh, LV. Man. There you go. Uh, I I like this. I like where this is going. This is this is that'll be a start of a beautiful sponsorship down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Just bully them into being uh, into working with you, Nate. Today we have, to me, I think a complicated topic. Maybe it's simpler than I'm making it out to be. Maybe it's just simply hot takes. I don't think it is. But what I think it is, what at least I want to do, is take ideas that I think we're sort of taking for granted in the foot base I, ideas about players or about teams or about what's going to happen in 2022 that maybe seem like they're they're really common and maybe poke holes in them maybe at least just understand why they're being taken for granted and why maybe that's not something we should be doing because i think there's i mean every year we get surprised by stuff pretty significantly uh, based on our preseason expectations. And I think as we're approaching fantasy draft season, as we're approaching, um, you know, training camp here, I think there's a lot to talk about when it comes to some of the stories surrounding some of these players and some of these teams. So I will cede the floor to you. I will let you go first. And we will see where the conversation goes from there. Yeah, the example you provided me gave me kind of a nice 
catalyst or sure. a starting point a little bit. And I'm glad you mentioned fantasy because I feel like a couple of these that I have are a little more fantasy tint okay. more than grants granular or a uh, lessons learned type yes. podcast that sure. I used to on our <laughs> on my normal show. But I'll start yes. with my first one is going to be more of a team uh, uh, thoughts that we have about a team. And I think, and I'm myself here is that people think that the saints are kind of living in their own la la land mm -hmm. of, wow, they're doing all these moves. They think they can compete mm -hmm. and they, why would they get these two first rounders? They're saying they had two starters away, man. You know, don't they realize that they don't have drew Brees, They don't have Sean Payton. You know what? I think they do have a reason to compete. I think they really? are justified in being a little more aggressive. Really? Set. Oh. I know. I'm looking at it. And really, I think the more the step back I like to take, as uh, he who must not be named would say, <laughs> the step back I will take before saying all this is if you just look at the odds for teams in the NFC, mm -hmm. um, either looking at make the playoffs or higher win totals than the Saints, both kind of break out about the same. But let's say mm -hmm. you see teams right now favored to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cardinals are even money. But then it goes Cowboys, Packers, Rams, Vikings, Eagles, 49ers, and Bucks. Mm -hmm. Those teams right now in Vegas are favored to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. The Saints are not one of them. And But I've looked at this. I look at this NFC. This NFC is wide open. AFC is a bloodbath. I think yes, we all know that. For sure. NFC, though, you talk to 10 different people. You ask who their favorite in the NFC is. You're, I think everyone's going to have kind of like different top twos, top threes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fun. And I think the this Saints team – and re-watching when Jameis Winston was healthy and watching yeah. more of the film of, of it, I was okay, he's not perfect. We know what Jameis is. He's a little <laughs> too aggressive. He's Jameis. Like, we all know. Sure. But still, he's not a bad quarterback. He's still yeah. a, he's a solid starting quarterback in the NFL. One, if you surround him with talent mm -hmm. on defense and on offense, you can win with. And we talk about, we usually say that about Shanahan offenses. Mm -hmm. And I think because maybe the Saints are not that, we don't have that same argument. <laughs> like we don't still say like, oh, you put some, some around him that he can win you the game. They can make a run the playoffs because he's so uh, statistically high. Like mm -hmm. he does so many things well, but I look at this team. He's, he's a, he has a high football IQ. He tries mm -hmm. to do the right thing. It's just that he's so aggressive and he's his own worst. There's mil there's a million Jameis jokes. This is it's Jameis. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. there's not much more to say, but he actually has a high football IQ. Like he mm -hmm. understands protections. He understands progressions. Um, last year, because their receivers were so bad outside of our boy, Deontay Hardy, sure. um, uh, he was checking it down to uh, Alvin Kamara over and yeah. over and over. So mm -hmm. I think because of that, it kind of taught him, hey, checking it down is not so bad. Like throwing <laughs> it to, even though Kamara's going to be out probably for a few weeks, it's, yeah, yeah, this isn't so bad. We can do this. I love Crystal Lave, who's also mm -hmm. my tab for uh, betting for Rookie of the Year. Um, yeah, I I could see it. I think he's very, I think he's going to day one be a starter, or day one be very heavy contribute, get a lot of targets. Mm -hmm. Michael Thomas, we still don't know with him, but if Michael Thomas is back, that's even more the merrier. I think Jarvis Landry is more of an average to an above average starter, but still mm -hmm. not bad for you if you're easier number three. Deontay Hardy, like I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of center Eric McCoy. Um, their offensive line, I would say, is more solid now without Armstead. Mm -hmm. Trevor Penning is going to be a project. Their left, their first round left tackle, yeah, but he still has potential. I like the defense, even if I don't think Tyron Matthew is still what is not the true honey badger. Mm -hmm. He's more like. Honey Nut Cheerios bad. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I, I got to workshop that joke, but it'll be good. It'll be good. We're, it's still July 15th. We're, I'm still okay. Um, and I like Dennis Allen. I know he's got bumped up to head coach, but as a defensive play caller, I, mm-hmm. I considered him one of the top play callers on offense or defense in the last few mm-hmm. years. I love their linebackers of Pete Werner and Demario Davis. I love their front. So I, I could see this team being their win total right now is at eight. Yeah. I can see him winning double digits. I can see yeah. him going 10 and seven if things break right and being feisty and win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that they're true final four contenders, mm-hmm. but I think they're more feisty than people realize and more of a solid built team than people realize. So that's my first one uh, to start us off. The Saints are, I understand the Saints aggressiveness, even though I think just as a team philosophy, they're, they're going to live in this world, I, I think, forever, as long as Mickey Loomis is there. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter who the coach or the quarterback is. I, I think that that's the part that I struggle with. It's not that they would be decent or even good. Like, I think that's totally reasonable. Yeah. I, I don't know that I would be quite as optimistic as you are. But <laughs> but I like 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 the idea that they're going to be a good football team seems really fair. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, so much talent on that roster when guys are healthy. I mean, you know, when guys do get injured, you kind of see the seams. Like last year, they had to play Calvin Throckmorton for, for 17 starts. They had to play, as much as we love Deontay Hardy, and, and you know, it was, it was Marquise Calloway, Trey Quan Smith, oh, uh, guys, guys, Adam Troutman, guys like that playing, you know, every snap receiving roles or significant receiving roles. Um, you know, in, in having, you know, like they had Janoris Jenkins the prior year this year, it was, it was Paulson Adebo, their rookie third rounder starting all season. You know, there, there were there were more holes in the roster. And as they got rid of guys, because they had to create cap space, or more so even because of injuries, we saw the issues with that roster. So to me, I think in a scenario where they are healthy, for sure, they can be a 10-win football team, no question. I think for me, the issue is, like you said, that that philosophy of, pedal to the metal we are trading our future picks we are squeezing out cap space it made a lot of sense yeah. when drew Brees was their yes. quarterback because they had super bowl they had a super bowl ceiling they mm-hmm. they could be a super bowl winner if, if they put the right pieces around drew Brees. i know you just said all those nice things about Jameis winston and he did play really well by Jameis winston standards during that stretch of start last year but do you think they can be a super bowl contender if everything goes right around Jameis winston no <laughs> that's, uh, that's see, the problem that's the problem that's the problem but i would say going into the draft when they did the trade i yeah. my i think me and everybody else's reaction was why like what mm-hmm. are you doing like why mm-hmm. this has to be for a quarterback because they're shuffling into the new future that was yep. my first instinct yep and the fact that they're like no we're two starters away i'm one of the people that laughed at them and sure. i think it's more of a Maybe I'm arguing with myself. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. having a <laughs> one of those types of moments where I'm arguing with myself from April yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, compared to July. And I think that's what it is, where it's like, I understand why they think they're better than maybe we initially thought. I think mm-hmm. that's maybe where I'm going with this. But I think it's more that they win the 10 games and win one playoff game. And then, yeah, and then that's where it's dicey. It's like, are they a Final Four team is, nah. Are they a lead eight team? Okay, maybe. Okay, mm-hmm. are they, you know, making it to that round? Right. Um, um, so that's that's where that's where I'm at. So I think we're we're in agreement where it's like, yeah, are they true contenders? No, but it's like, are they gonna be a competitive, good, solid team? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But again, health, like you said, is gonna be the issue because they like to build on stars and scrubs. So that's always gonna be their their issue with their stuff. 
Right. And I mean, if they have one of the best drafts in the history of the National Football League, yeah. that, that, that solves a lot of their problems. But a couple of guys from that draft are now gone and Marcus Williams and Trey Hendrickson. Uh, and that does hurt them because, you know, like I said, Terry Matthew, good, still obviously still a good player, but not maybe the player he was three or four years ago and, and exiting the prime of his career as opposed to entering it. Marcus May coming off of a torn Achilles. I mean, there's guys here where, you know, Michael Thomas, you brought up where he's barely played over the past years because of ankle injuries. You know, I, I think you brought up the scenario where they are really good. And I think it's not out of the question by any means, but there's also a scenario where Jameis is not very good without <laughs> John Payton as his coach, where Michael Thomas is hurt, where Jarvis Landry is the guy who, you know, no one in the league really wanted to pay, where the yep. line is yep. inconsistent, where, you know, the defense isn't quite as good with Dennis Allen focused on the head coaching role. And this team is a six-win football team. I, I don't think that's likely. I think it's more likely they're a 10-win team, six-win team. But I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for this team either. And if that happens, the team that is going to be the most excited about that is the team that owns the Saints first round pick in 2023, which is my first Love argument it. here, the Philadelphia Eagles. And the argument being made, which I, again, I, I, I'm not saying I disagree with this. I just think there's at least some holes to poke in this idea is that the argument that the Eagles are going to be a balanced offense now because they just traded for AJ Brown. And I think if you poll the Eagles privately, if you could ask them what their dream offense is, a lot of those people in the Philadelphia organization are smart, they're analytically inclined, they're going to want to throw the ball. There's still enough Andy Reid influence in that organization from the last 25 years to say, yes, they want to throw the ball. That's how you win football games. That's the best way to score, the best way to build your team. But we all saw what happened last year, right? Like their offense got much better in midseason when they committed to running the football, when they added more design runs for Jalen Hurts, when they ran, you know, not the Ravens offense, but some elements of, you know, Ravens offense when they, they, they instituted more inverted veer, when they were running more, you know, running more quarterback concepts where they could put the ball in Jalen Hurts' hands and, and let him make decisions. And that is an effective offense. I think it still plays to Jalen Hurts' strengths. And, I don't think that's going anywhere. Maybe they'll be more balanced. Maybe they will throw the ball more. Maybe they will do that because they want to evaluate Jalen Hurts and what is a, you know, basically a contract here for mm -hmm. him one way or another. But even if you add AJ Brown, that can still be a very valuable part of that offense if you are a run-heavy team. Because we saw in Tennessee, they were a run-heavy offense in Tennessee. They were more traditional because they didn't have a running quarterback. So it was a lot of Derrick Henry as opposed to, you know, that mix of Hurts and Sanders and Kenny Gainwell and the other running backs they have. But A.J. Brown thrived taking shots off of play action. And, you know, he was a, 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 a down play receiver, a downfield receiver, a, a chunk yardage getter in that offense and can be that guy in Buffy even if they are still run heavy. So to me, I think there might even be a scenario where they start the year as a balanced offense. But I think the first time or the second time they see signs of trouble, they're going to go back to what worked a year ago. I, I mean, I'm in full agreement with you. Uh, the that offense, it was a lot more uh, fun to watch than maybe I even gave credit for when mm -hmm. it was happening. It's like, oh, yeah, they're doing some cool run stuff, and I kind of waved it away. Yeah. And then as I've kind of gone back and studied them more and more and more, because my my more watching them was like, okay, I really like Devontae Smith. How you doing, buddy? How you mm -hmm. look? How do you look? <laughs> yeah. And then, okay, let's look at Jalen Hurts. How are you developing? Oh, look at this offensive line. Look at these beautiful pockets. Mm -hmm. and then, uh, again, that's going to raise their bar because their, their offensive line is going to, 
keep them in games because yep. it just it doesn't matter what the talent around them as long as you can create these holes and create these pockets for hurts mm-hmm. my so my kind of dovetailing off of you is my issue not issue with the saints but my when aj brown got plopped in there mm-hmm. and i totally agree with what you're saying is that that's what he thrives off of he's an explosive play machine it's mm-hmm. not the disco stew meme where it's <laughs> hey more target holy crap he only got he was only getting like 100 targets what if he got 150 <laughs> oh my god it, I, aj brown i don't think plays like that mm-hmm. he is not a he's an excellent receiver i think we're all in agreement with that but he is yep. he jalen hurts his best throws if he's just dropping back are vertical go balls yeah brown doesn't win that way he wins with the end breaker stuff where yep. he's on the move and i think i'm agreeing with what you're saying is that i think it's going to look more like what last year's offense and a little bit not exactly how the titans run it but maybe that run pass split that the mm-hmm. titans had uh where that i mean shoot run of the ball like their run game was so good jalen hurts is an incredible runner of the football and with that offensive line these running backs were getting these credible run creases for them so mm-hmm. why make it hard on yourself that's the hardest thing to do is mm-hmm. get, like get generate five six yards of pop in the run game so might as well just do that but i agree with you i think the the aj brown stuff is too when we do pass the ball these 20 to 25 times we throw the ball mm-hmm. let's get a chunk every single time mm-hmm. and it can't just be through dallas goddard on corner routes or Devonte smith who again i love but he has you know just because of size you're never going to want him to see 15 targets so mm-hmm. i think it's just building a, a three so every time we pass the ball and we only have two or three guys out in routes let's let all these guys be dynamic guys because I think that's also going on what you said, like play action stuff, play action. You're only going to get three, two to four receivers out on the routes because mm-hmm. you're going to keep guys in blocking. Yep. So let's have all the guys be stars yeah. <laughs> that are running those routes. Like, I mean, that makes it a lot easier. So I think it's uh, talking about both sides of my mouth a little bit, but I'm with you a little bit that it's not a just plop him in and, oh, my God, he's going to explode. I think it's going to just continue what he was in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But Hertz doesn't throw those in-breakers that Brown is good at, like Tannehill was mm-hmm. really good at throwing those because he's willing to stand in there and take a hit and throw them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a little bit of agreement with you where I just don't – I'm curious what that run pass split is going to be for them, especially when their run game was looking so good last year and was making their lives easier because we saw once – especially when the Eagles got to that Bucks game in the playoffs mm-hmm. and they had to pass it. Oh my God. It hurts. Just wasn't ready for that against yeah. that type of defensive attack. So I think they're scared of that. So I think this is their way of going like, this is where, how we're going to create explosives, especially when the, when they're all these safeties are lowering in the box to stop Jalen from running. I mean, you always say it, it, who, who's going to get you a bucket, right? Who's going to get you a bucket? This, this is your, when you're playing the Bucks and it's third and eight, AJ yep. Brown's going to get you a bucket. Yep. That's that, what you need. That is, I think, I think the first starting point for this offense. And we'll see. I mean, maybe, you know, if, if they move on from Jalen Hurts after the year and you have AJ Brown in a pass happy offense, yep. great. Like, you know, like that's not right. a problem either. I think like, they're in a win-win situation. I mean, I, I do too. it's, it's crazy. Like it's, you look at it and you're like, man, what, if Jalen stays the same, okay, fun quarterback that can run, has his limitations as passer, and they want to move on, what sure. quarter, unhappy quarterback wouldn't look at the Eagles and go, like, I want to go there? Yep. I got A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, that offensive line, and Devontae Smith. Oh, my God. Like, yes, please. Yes, right. It, it's an easy, easy sell, I think, for any quarterback that's in, you know, in a situation where they could move next year. And that could be Kyler Murray. That could be Jimmy Garoppolo. That could be Kirk Cousins. It could be all kinds of quarterbacks. 
Um, and the Eagles had the extra draft pick from the Saints, so that Saints draft pick is 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 really juicy. That could change the situation as well. Nate, give me your second uh, second attack on conventional wisdom. Um, and this one, this one might be a little more fantasy tinged. Sure, um, fantasy is fine. People think, and it's just real football as well. But people think Antonio Gibson's chance to break out has come and gone. Yeah, but it's actually this year. Really, <laughs> and rewatching the Washington offense and seeing, and this is theory a little bit, but sure. it took Brian Robinson in the third round. Yep. And I think a lot of people go, Oh, that's it. Gibson's now a, a scat back, you know, okay. he's just glorified, you know, pass catcher. They lost Brandon Scherf and their old line as a whole is kind of, you know, McNulty wavering his hand, you know, mm-hmm. that gift, but watching this offense and how much they try to go through Gibson is because they trust, they believe in them. And yeah. Even with the offensive line not being perfect, I think they had like a whole bunch of center injuries last year. Yeah, they did. Um, he improved throughout the year as a running back, as far as not just being an athlete playing running back. Mm-hmm. Um, his vision, his patience—you could see him trying, and you could see those kind of those kind of little gains that he was having as being as patient running back and letting his blocks happen before mm-hmm. he wanted to bounce. Um, I think he is just—I think Robinson comes in as just an innings eater. He's just yep. coming in, hey. You get your five, seven carries. Okay, boom. All right, you're averaging three and a half yards a carry, but thank you for taking the load off Antonio. Sure. I think that's going to keep Gibson healthier. I think just all these things, even the the some of the just simple stats I looked at for uh, guys with over 100 rushes last year, he was 12th in success rate for running backs, mm-hmm. 14th in rushes. for. This is a simple stat I like to look at. It's just five, five yard or more gains on first yep. and second down. He was 14th in that. So he's about mm-hmm. above average to good in there. And of course, he has a great receiving ability, and that was yeah. with a kind of a porous O line and no real passing attack. I, I, I think this. I watching him, watching the eye test. I think he's closer. He got closer to breaking out. I think just a lot of people are like, "This is it." And when he was kind of, <laughs> eh, they are away. You know, they're onto the new shiny toy. But yeah. I, I, I think he's actually building up. I think he's going to be a real, real fun and very good player, both in real football and in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes sense. And I think the big thing that comes to mind for me is when we're con- considering what the conventional sort of path is for a running back. Yeah, I mean, I think there's lots of times where if you don't see a guy get the role that you're hoping for by year two, it's like, okay, well, he's done. You know, like he, he's, yeah, he's gone. You know, he, he's not at that point. And we know with Antonio Gibson, he's not a normal back with a normal <laughs> career path. Right. I mean, he's had seven, how many, how many carries in college? 70? Right. I think it was like 20. It was. Wasn't, it was ridiculously low, like even lower than you would think. It was 33. Looked, 33. 33? Okay. <laughs> 33. Right. And like, you know, I, I think that that informs what you're saying. I mean, like you said, in terms of his second season, in terms of, you know, sort of fighting his instinct to cut outside and trusting his offensive line, trusting his, you know, trusting his read of when to cut, trusting his read of, you know, just sort of like, like your pace yes. in those first few steps when you're carrying the ball just to get the rhythm of, okay, this is how I am going to attack the line of scrimmage. This is how I'm going to attack the hole when it, it pops up. Like, I think that is something that, you know, if you're a back in college, you got 800 carries. That's very different right. from a guy having to learn that at the NFL level. So I, I there are concerns. Like, I think they do, you know, they, they brought back JD McKissick and I think mm-hmm. he is going to get some third down snaps. And I think that's my, that's my only issue with him getting more passing work, but I think as a guy who gets some of the third down work and gets a lot of first and second down work, like I think he can be a super efficient runner. And I think 
you know, that sort of paradigm of like that Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry style back, like that's not the only level you have to, right. to be. <laughs> right. It's like, <laughs> like, like you can be a star with 250, yes. 275 carries. And last year he was at 200, he was at 250 last year. So like, like, like I, I think if he can get the same workload he had a year ago when he was not just the primary guy and just be more efficient with that workload, you're right. He can absolutely be a difference maker in fantasy football. And a lot of the knocks with him are kind of the football things. Oh, he's not good in protections, all that stuff. It's like, no kidding. Yeah. Like, he, he never did it. And you want most rookie running backs, if they can even be average in protections, right. you're, you're winning. You want them by year two to start figuring it out. Mm-hmm. This is a guy, okay, no kidding. He didn't figure it out in his second year. He didn't do it in college at all. Right. So he's already at least two years behind developmentally. So it's like, just everyone take a deep breath with him. I, I totally agree <laughs> with you that it's it's like going to be a little bit of a less is more thing. Take five mm-hmm. carries away from him. Let him be fresh or let other guys do the stuff. Yes, he'll lose some third down stuff, but I think that'll be more beneficial for him. I could even, and this is more anecdotal because I was just watching the game. I was actually watching Scary Terry, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was their game against the Packers. And they had a nice actually little block play. It was like a zone play. Gibson mm-hmm. bounces it. And I was actually, I saved the clip a little frustrated. I was like, oh, come on, dude. Like, this would be a good, like, little thing. And then they come out in the second half, and it's their first run play. And they run, I think, basically the same concept. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the coaches told him, chill. Because <laughs> he gets the handoff, and he stands straight up. Just like, he's just like, <gasps> he takes a deep breath. And then he goes, and it would have been a touchdown. He trips on the, uh, the defensive tackle's foot. Oh, but it was beautiful. And, but it was like, oh, okay, but there's flashes. And mm-hmm. then that's what you're great. You're great to the flash and you're hoping those flashes become more consistent. I'm, I'm betting on that. He does figure it out because I think he's a hard worker. Also last year, he played on a cracked shin, which, yeah. which is unbelievable cracked shin. Okay. Yeah. That's, that sounds fun. Normal so, football injury. Yeah. So I went from an Antonio Gibson kind of like agnostic mm-hmm. to like, okay, I'm becoming more of a fan of him than a I convert. Yeah, then a convert. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm converted to the Church of Gibson. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I this does happen with guys too, even if they do have more experience. I think the classic example is Marshawn Lynn, where he was, yes. you know, he was okay in Buffalo, but not very efficient at all. Even that first year in Seattle, he averaged three and a half yards per carry. I know everyone remembers the the beast quake, but yeah. he was not not that good in Seattle at all before. And he had the big run. Mm-hmm. And the next year, he was struggling a bit. And there was a, a meeting he had with Tom Cable. And after that meeting, like you could see it in the numbers. He just popped from that point forward for like the next four seasons. I mean, yeah. it was a, you know, like like that is a that is a skill that you have to learn sometimes at the pro level. And if you do, it can dramatically change your level of efficiency. So yeah. absolutely, I think that is uh, in, in a possibility for Antonio Gibson. Now, you brought up Terry McLaurin. And as our friend uh, Mike Clay would say, I have to call him F1 by, by law. That is the official ESPN nickname for... Terry McLaren, but I want to talk about a different young wide receiver. Terry McLaren came to mind for me in thinking about this wide receiver. And I brought this up to you as we were sort of debating what we were going to talk about. And it's this idea that you look at the Broncos and you look at Jerry Judy, who is now in his third season in the NFL. And this idea that, well, now Jerry Judy is going to be a superstar in the NFL because he has Russell Wilson. And like, on one hand, that makes sense. Like, yeah, he had Drew Locke, he had Teddy Bridgewater. Now he has Russell freaking Wilson. That changes yeah. things. And the like saying a Star Wars money is gonna make a lot of money. Like, yeah. a Star Wars movie is gonna make a lot of money. <laughs> it's uh, like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, well, as, as, oh. a, 
as a Disney employee, I have to say that also. Oh, Star Wars yes. Movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. That's, oh, I can't even say MCU either. <laughs> <laughs> they I, own everything. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> including, including the Bill Barnwell show, available wherever you get podcasts. Also, probably, <laughs> probably, probably on Disney Plus somewhere. I don't know. Just search for Bill Barnwell on Disney Plus. Maybe something will come up. Uh, but like with Jerry Judy, you know, there's this, I think, reasonable idea that, okay, you know, talented young receiver plus great quarterback equals wild success. And I think that is probably the most likely outcome for the 2022 season. But the one thing I would say is this, I, I think this idea that like, oh, you can sort of hand wash away two seasons or just, you know, say yeah. it's irrelevant because the quarterbacks were not that good. I don't think that's fair. And yes, he did have a high ankle sprain last year and that is going to impact your numbers and that should be accounted for. But even as a rookie, I mean, Jerry Judy's numbers were not on the level of a Terry McLaren, who's had terrible quarterbacks for most of his time in Washington, or Deontay Johnson, who, you know, had a compromised Ben Roethlisberger for the last two years and yes. Mason Rudolph before that, or DJ Moore, who's had a receiver of quarterbacks in Carolina. All those guys playing with, I would say, quarterbacks who were as bad, maybe worse in some cases, have been much more productive than Jerry Judy has been so far as a pro. So I, again, most likely outcome, Jerry Judy has a very good year. But is the idea that he's going to be a superstar just because they changed quarterbacks? I think that's underselling, you know, his amount of production relative to other guys who had disappointing or subpar quarterbacks around them. Yeah, I, I think people like the idea of Jerry Judy. It's a great idea. Than, and people watch his footwork videos and mm -hmm. the, how he plays. And he's a very flashy style. And like you say, sometimes there's got to be some proof in the pudding. Like there's got to be, you know, some semblance of production, even with your circumstances. This is also, we did the receiver value podcast. And this is what always I, I get into about calling receivers a premium position. Yes, they might get paid by that. But this is why I always think is there so much of how they affect the game is circumstantial. Yep. quarterback, offensive play caller, where they're put in position, offensive line protecting for the quarterback, yada, yada, course, yada. For sure. And that's why I think the true stars at the position, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Mike Evans is getting his 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns, no matter who's his quarterback, who's his play caller. He was productive with Dirk Cutter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it's the good ones kind of figure out a situation because they still catch the ball. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. And I also think it's a skill set uh, synergy, kind of talking about like with Hurts and Brown, is with Russ and Judy. Russ, uh, Russell Wilson doesn't really, those type of guys that are more the quickness-based, route-running types, that's not what Russell likes to throw. Mm -hmm. He likes his big targets, and yep. he likes his vertical targets. Um, he likes to give him a chance at the ball. Judy is a, uh, like I said, the footwork king. He is a quickness-based guy. Mm -hmm. um, people think he's a good route runner. I do not think he is. That's a private take, but mm -hmm. I think it's more Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton season and Albert O really? season than a Jerry Judy season. I do um, think it's Albert O season. I will admit. I think it's big time Albert O season. I'm a big fan of Albert O. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had really good numbers in a small sample the last couple of years. And like, this is my own, but I test, I believe as well. And like my own, you know, dumb anecdotal watching Russell Wilson for a decade thing. I feel like he's made a lot of tight ends, a lot of money in the red zone. Yes. Cause he big targets. He likes to pin it right on him. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, he was my, I tabbed him as my tight end breakout. And even someone in 
in the comments because I'm very online and I can't <laughs> help myself. Someone said you actually tabbed a tight end uh, with Russell Wilson as a breakout candidate. He never throws his tight ends. And it's actually like Russell throws to his tight end target percentage is right. NFL average. <laughs> it's it, literally, it's like, I think it's like 19.2 is NFL average and Russ is like 19. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's that is I, I yeah big Alvaro I know we're talking about Judy but Alvaro Sutton and Tim Patrick I'm a big Tim Patrick fan as well mm-hmm. I think those three are the ones that are should look at the breakout Judy has that pedigree he's a Bama guy it's flashy play so I yeah. think a lot of people think oh plop of Russell Wilson here we go 1400 yards here it comes but I think it's more he's a complimentary piece in that offense than a true dynamite guy for them mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really valid. And, you know, I, again, like, his numbers are going to go up. Like, yes. Yeah. No, 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 brain, Russell Wilson, it's going to be better. But I think that idea of, you know, just, okay, quarterback replacement means yep. that you can wipe away two years of, of you know, okay, inconsistent yeah. at best play. I think that, t- you know, you can't it's, do that. It's okay to above average as opposed to okay to star. Right. Like, exactly. it's a different tier jump. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have another one? I yeah, I got a couple. <laughs> Please. Uh, okay. Losing Gronk, of course, hurts, but he's not important as important to that offensive scheme as you would think in Tampa Bay. Really? Yeah. And this okay. this is this one's a little hot takey, but it's, it's kind of spicy. Yeah. Um, there's a reason they signed Russell Gage. Yeah. Uh, but this is more of a a again uh, schematic fit 
as opposed to for better or for worse. Gronk is a hell of a player. I'm not saying Gronk is not Gronk is dynamite even the last couple of years in his older yep. age when he's came and bend his knees anymore. <laughs> he's just shuffling past people. Um, that Arians left which often where they were the Cardinals. Jermaine Gresham was their tight end. He yep. ran like I, I wish we had the numbers then. He ran like no routes. Like he only got targeted like 20 or 30 times a season. He was a glorified blocking tackle for them. Mm-hmm. And okay, Gronk was incredible at that, but they would rotate the tight ends to give Gronk grass. He's older age. They would like to have their, they like to be an 11 personnel with three receivers. You three receivers go on a route. The running back is the check down tight end. You keep your butt in and you're blocking. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think they're tweaking back to what that was. They've hybrid their offense. This was the story that, you know, left, which did a great job of merging Arians and Brady's preferences. That was the story of their Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. And I think what that was, was, Hey, let's get Gronk in the route as opposed to having them stay in and block. Yep. And that was the, one of the big tweaks that they had. So I think they're going back to that. Cameron Braid is a solid blocker. I'm a big fan of their fourth round pick and Kate Otten. There's not many times you talk about the fourth round pick <laughs> tight end that as being yeah. a, a key key member of a good team, but he's uh, I graded him as the be- one of the best blocking tight ends in this past year's draft. I was a wow. big fan, yeah, and I think that is a good. I made sense to me why they took him. I was like, well, there's their blocking tight end. Like that's why they took him. Um, I think they just tweak back to the, the attack to where it's Russell Gage is getting those Gronk targets. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're going back to that tradition. Not I don't say traditional, but their version of their attack, which is the three receivers are always in the route. Even the running back that they drafted in the third round, Rashad White, who, Mm -hmm. again, another guy I'm a big fan of. Um, He was another converted receiver uh, in college, but he actually played running back in in college. It wasn't after, like Antonio Gibson. Right. Uh, Are you understanding I have a type at running back? I think (laughs) I do. Uh, But he's 220. He is an effect. He was my number three graded running back in this draft. He gives them an effective guy to run the ball with and Mm -hmm. also – he's going to be 5,000 more effective on those checkdowns for Tom Brady than mm-hmm. uh, Lenny Fournette. And Fournette, it was like Brady would just pin the ball in his gut and Fournette yeah. would just fall forward and get the first <laughs> down. Like Rashad White's going to turn those into explosive plays. And so I'm I'm seeing it's kind of the, how do we replace Giambi kind of thing? Well, yeah. we, we create his runs by Russell Gage. We re- replace Gronk by Rashad White and Russell Gage. And then the blocking is Kate Otten. I could see how they did it. So I... I love Gronk. He's, of course, a great player, but I think this offense is going to actually be a little bit even better by a culmination of everybody else, a sum of parts from all these other additions that they made. And of course, they have a great offensive line and they, they have this guy named Tom Brady. Yes, Tom Brady helps a lot. <laughs> I I looked it up. Jermaine Gresham in 2018, 13 games, 12 targets, 100 and, 105 routes. So about eight routes per game from Jermaine Gresham. I love it. That's what it was. It was he was he might as well have wore 65 instead of 85. Or or 80. I think he was 84. So 64 instead of 84. That's what he was. He was a glorified tackle. Yes. I I I I think I would rather have Gronk, but (laughs) I get it. Yes, I I get it. It's always better to have an A on uh, an A player on your offense than a a couple B minuses. Yes. And and I mean, I know he said he's not it's done. I still think. Week 15, there's a chance we're going to see Gronk on the field. But I think at the end of the day, like, you know, I, th- I think you're right in that the gauge signing does sort of indicate what they're doing. And yes, yeah. they had Antonio Brown for last year, um, so they were not as... Do you look at Antonio Brown's metrics, by the way? They're... Crazy. Oh, my God. Like, like, like when Gronk was out, he was getting the ball at, like, his Steelers rate. 
it's insane. It was, uh, he breaks every, I had to change all the, the thresholds because I'm like, he's on top of everything. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to talk about this guy. So, no. <laughs> so every time I looked through true media, I was like, oh my mm -hmm. God, he's on top of everything. It's like Christian McCaffrey. When yeah. You don't oh, the oh, that's another little, I got a mini point at the end. <laughs> oh, I, I will wait for this mini point to talk about Christian McCaffrey. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it tells you the offense is going to change. And I think, you know, when you think about the Patriots offense, yep. towards the tail end with Brady, it was a lot more, you know, they, they did run out of 12 a, a fair amount, but it was a lot of 11 personnel as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it wouldn't shock me if that was, especially once Chris Goblin comes back, what they run a lot of next year. And, um, you know, I, I think they can, they can do that reasonably well. And I think, you know, they are a team that's going to be in some semblance of transition. Like you said, I think um, Rashad White's going to have a meaningful role. Um, if Gio Bernard makes the team, I think he's going to have uh, a role to play. I think that, you know, we could see them be, you know, I, how would I put it? Like, I think just a wider variety of styles on offense, maybe without Bruce Arians. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think. There's, I get what you mean. It's, tweet, it's, tweet. It's, They've started modernizing a little bit, but yeah. I, would, I wouldn't say modernizing, but I get what you mean. I, I, just, just, more just more influences. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think spots. that, you know, I, I think there's stuff that, like, even though it's a veteran team, even though it's a lot of guys returning, yeah. I think not having Arians around, I think there's some question about what that offense will look like. And I think the fact that there's more likely to be changes without Bruce Arians than there would have been if he'd stuck around, yeah. I think opens up some possibities. So and, and actually young players might play because because <laughs> Bruce Arians isn't calling him up. I, I think there's like two different I've seen like three different rookie quotes over the years where three rookies were like, well I'm surprised he knew my name because it was just dumbass for the last six months. Mm. So <laughs> I mean I I forgot how many of his first rounders in Arizona just did not see the field all year. At all, but, David Johnson, like they couldn't even drag out there. It's like you're Dave, the kick, you're the kick returner. Uh, or I don't, I don't think Robert Income DJ played. DJ Humphreys barely played his first year. Yep. Like it, that is not something he wants to do. So yeah, I think absolutely. Fire left, which may be a little more open, and Todd Bowles mm -hmm. may be a little more open to actually playing those guys in their first seasons. Um, yeah, DJ Humphreys did not play a single snap as a rookie. That's crazy. That's a first rounder. That's wild. Um, at, at left tackle too. At left tackle. Yeah. And let's not give him any live bullet reps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'll figure it out once he gets in there. Um, I have one that I, I feel like I'm going to regret. I'm not going to lie. Love it. I don't. I feel like there are scenarios where I am lower than the market on a player mm -hmm. and I get a lot of flack for it. Mm -hmm. And then the player struggles and the public opinion changes on him so dramatically that I'm now above market on the same player. And so it feels like I'm talking out about sides with Antonio Gibson. That's <laughs> yeah, that might be it. This one is worse though. Cause I feel like I've been more conspicuous about it. Like... I can't believe I'm going to say this. Carson Wentz is okay. <laughs> Not terrible. Last year, Nate, Carson Wentz, 13th. In adjusted at yards per attempt, ninth in QBR, 16th in individual DVOA with Michael Pittman, but not a great set of receivers in general. Jonathan Taylor, which helps a lot, and a good offensive line, although not the line they had a couple years ago. Anthony Costanzo was mm -hmm. at left tackle. Um, the last three weeks of the season sucked. He was terrible after coming back from COVID. And yes, when he is bad, 
Oh my god, is he bad. He is <laughs> so bad. He's bad in like the most conspicuous ways. What was the stat you had about oh, the, the, the video? <laughs> Someone posted a video on YouTube, which is the funniest thing in the world to me. Someone posted a video. I'm gonna get the exact title of it because I I like the wording of it. You crushed me when, when you you told me that the other day. That I've, it, I've thought about it. Here's the name of the video. All of Carson Wentz's left-handed pass attempts with the Colts. <laughs> It's two and a half minutes long. He was there for a year. And there were so many that they got two and a half minutes, two and a half minutes of left hand Carson Wentz footage. For one wow. season. For one year. <laughs> Miserable. But, Nate, we have to think past two weeks and three weeks. He was okay. And yes, yes. maybe he's not a great teammate. Maybe organizations, they get kind of tired of him pretty quick. But I was seeing people comparing Carson Wentz, saying, oh, well, Washington should have just kept Taylor Heineke because he's better than Carson Wentz. No. <laughs> if you want to account for money and say Carson Wentz is getting too much money and maybe you're better with a yeah. cheap quarterback, maybe. But like in a vacuum, no. Carson Wentz is an NFL caliber quarterback. I, yes. I think in a vacuum, average scheme, average receivers, average weapons, average line, and average help which maybe is not fair for Carson Wentz because he has had some injury issues in the past I think he's like in the 18 to 22 range for quarterbacks which yeah. it's not the guy he was a couple years ago and not the guy who was regarded as a couple years ago but like he is an NFL caliber quarterback and I think we the shorthand of like LL Carson Wentz sucked at the end of last year like yeah. he did but that doesn't mean he's not playable right I, I almost had a point of literally the same line of thinking with Baker, like where yes. it's like, yes, yes. He's so fun to make fun of. Don't get me wrong. Oh, and, for his sure. and his bad is bad. Don't get me wrong. And yes, he's had some bad performances, mm -hmm. but he's still an NFL starter. Yes. Like it's still better than backups. It's better than that threshold. So I, I get exactly what you mean, but it's when you told me that left-handed passing video, I like, <laughs> I've, I've thought about it. And the fact when, cause when you told it to me live, cause this one yeah. we're eating my slice of pizza, yes. you told it to me and then you're like, that was just with the Colts. Yes. <laughs> that's what, that's what killed me more than anything. Incredible. But I, I think that, and this is also, I, I think Jameis is a little better than these two than Wentz and Baker, but mm -hmm. I think that's what it is, is that, that tier of quarterback that we have trouble it's it's like the the Netflix ratings. It's either thumbs up or thumbs down. Mm -hmm. They're they're either excellent or they suck. You yeah. know, it's everything's a one or zero now. And there's plenty of quarterbacks where they're above the bar of starter. You know, but they might not be good, mm -hmm. but they're starters. Where it's hey, if we have a decent team around them, we can win games. We can make the playoffs. And I get what you mean. I I, I kind of get what you mean. I I'm. I'm there with Wentz and I'm there with Baker because I just watch, like I said, I watched a Gibson and I was watching scary Terry, mm -hmm. watch that Washington offense. And I love Taylor Handicap from old dominion days when he torched us, when I was at Pitt. He, he I mean, he's a backup and it's, mm -hmm. uh, there's a big difference between NFL backup and we, they might be fun. They might be a fun story, but there's a big difference between them and a, a legit starter who once in a while can get hot. You know, Wentz can there's a stretch against the Cardinals where he looked awful Wentz last year, and then had a couple drives where I was like, oh my God, he made like some dagger throws. Mm -hmm. And he still has that in him. That that doesn't just go away. <laughs> like it's you know, it's still in them. It's just that you hope you're trying to wean out the bad. And I, I don't know. I, I I like it. I like that take. That, that's that's a good take. I don't know. I mean, like I, I just 
I love how we're like arguing about this. That he's average. He <laughs> like, is. <laughs> but like, like average is not not average is not terrible. bad. Bad is different than average. That's what. Yeah, there's tiers. Mike Sando would tell us there's many tiers for quarterbacks. Many and tiers. How many is he usually go to? Them. Eight. No, seven. I think six. <laughs> six. I, six. And That's and six, right. six six is like Nathan Peterman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's not Nathan Peterman. That's the thing. It's, it's like, like I think we talk about Carson Wentz like he is Nathan Peterman at times, and right. maybe at his worst he does do Peterman esque things. But like overall, like Washington's in much better shape by having Carson yes. Wentz as their quarterback than they're with you know a compromised Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins yep. and uh, Heineke and I guess Ryan Fitzpatrick would have better, but he got hurt. So yep. you know, like like I think. I, you can take issue with how much they paid and his salary yeah. and the trade and what the market was, but I do but think they're player. in better shape. As a player, he's yeah. fine. He is yeah. not not the MVP from five years ago, but he's not a scrub. Okay. Do you have one more for me? Yeah, now? yeah. I got I got two little mini points. Okay, okay. please. We'll finish up with the two. Okay, mini yeah. One one was like the CMC is a dynamite football player, and that was the stat I was going to bring up was the like you said, the efficiency stat, and that's his first downs per route last year, yeah. which is a metric I like to look at, 17.8%, mm-hmm. which was the highest in the NFL. It was higher than wow. Devontae Adams. Uh, and Devontae Adams was second at 15.2. Mm-hmm. And running the ball, he's not – I know he gets banged up. He has a lot of touches on him, but he still has juice. He still had it. I know he's coming back from an injury, but he's still a very, very, very good football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other little mini point I had, and this was tying into – I already mentioned the Honey Badger earlier, yep. um, is – Justin Reed is better than Tyron Matthew. Wow. I know that sounds a little hot takey, but in this year in 2022, he is a better, more consistent football player than Tyron Matthew is now. Now, Justin Reed was, I believe, benched multiple times for the Texans last year. Was he? For 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 not 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 for his play, to be clear. Okay. But for maybe maybe disinterested behavior. Yes, well, and I understand why. <laughs> I I also do. To be fair. I watched I watched him against. I think in the last month they must have motivated him. Yeah, and said, "Hey, you know you're in a contract year," and because he put some flash plays on tape, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, there's a couple of games. But I think why the Chiefs went with him is mm-hmm. Matthew is a more Matthew is a boomer bust safety at this point. He yeah. it's if he's not reading the game because. They unlocked him to let him read the game, which yep. is the best thing he does. He's one of the highest, we all say, it, one of the highest football IQ guys out there at any position. Yep. He doesn't do the consistent stuff now where mm-hmm. it's, if he doesn't make those flash plays, then it's he's hurting the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a lot of the issues, and I brought this up, especially at the end of last year, was the Chiefs weren't a very good tackling team. They were and you want to, yes, it sounds like fundamentals. Oh, yeah, run the ball, boom, form <laughs> tackle. But it actually matters when you're letting Jamar Chase run by you, when you're letting guys bounce off of you. When do you remember, remember in the Bengals game, oh, the screen I? to P. Ryan? Yeah, yeah. That, that was, you know, 100% tackling. Yeah, it was, and it's every DB they had. And it was... Yep. And Matthew was because Matthew would read the play. Yep. He would be there. And then he was just, it's my argument at the time was they know they're making the playoffs and they're saving themselves for the playoffs, but they didn't do it in the playoffs either. Right. So that's where, so Oops. that's where I think they saw that uh, the chief scouting staff, exact rock. Okay. We, we can't keep doing this. Like mm-hmm. this is, that's a lot. That's a lot of missed tackles and a lot of yards that they're giving up. Um, so I think where they brought Reed in was, 
Reed is a great tackler. Mm-hmm. Reed reads Reed reads the game fairly well. Uh, so I think that's where they say we're going to be more sound, which is kind of what they did on offense too, which is kind of funny. I think they're like, we have the quarterback, we have the offensive line. Let's get back to the fundamentals with our team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we already have the flashy guys. So let's get back to it. And I, I think they kind of did that on the offensive side with, with Tyreek being gone and what they want to do as a run team and what they're, what I think what they're trying to build their team behind on offense, which is running the ball instead of doing RPOs, which I know you always bring up that rant I went on to uh, when I was Twitch streaming that game. And, but I think that's where as a whole team, that's what they kind of did. They're like, okay, I, we're going to, we're going to, we're not going to run the ball 60% of the time, but when we do run the ball that 40 ish percent of the time, it's going to be good We're it's not going to be lost yards and a wasted play. Um, I think that's what they were. We wasted a lot of plays because we, we always were like, Oh, we have Mahomes, so we can do this. I think as a team on offense and then now on defense, they did the same thing where it's let's make it hard. At least Mm -hmm. like if what's at least if they're going to get an explosive play, make it at least be 15, 16 yards as opposed to a touchdown. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what they did as a whole team. So that was supposed to be a mini take. It turned into a medium take. That's a legit take. I think that's a whole take You know, and to, to qualify that as a mini take. And I, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of logic there. Um, you know, the tackling was a major issue for them. And I, I think it's another one of the reasons why, uh, from the Ravens side, they went out and got Marcus Williams. Yes. Um, you know, I think another player where young player, more of a sure tackler for a team that just they could not tackle last year. Yes. And, and injuries were a problem, to be mm-hmm. fair. Like they gave up so many big plays from poor tackling, it was really noticeable both on the tape and you know by the numbers as well. Um, to get back to the CMC thing, as we finish up, like you know, you brought up the Devontae Adams stat for um, his first down rate, and he gets targeted when he's on the field at a similar rate to Devontae Adams. He's like to me, Christian McCaffrey is like the reverse Debo Samuel. Yes. Like Debo Samuel is the the wide receiver where you can also strangely put him between the tackles and he can pick up a bunch of first downs and be an effective runner and score a crazy number of touchdowns because he's so physical. Christian McCaffrey is like, you know, the opposite. He is a like running that. back. He's a running back, but as a wide receiver, as a, a option on choice routes, as an option as a checkdowns, he is such a phenomenal threat. He's so much better than really maybe outside of Alvin Kamara, any yep. other running back when it comes to working as a receiver. Um, so yeah. to me, I, I think, you know, yes, he's not going to be a guy where if he played 17 games, it'd be great. I don't think that's likely, yep. but he doesn't have to play 17 games to be effective. Can he play 10, 12, 14? If he can do that, that is a, to me, a difference maker. And I think I'm trying to think of who was saying this on Twitter. You know, someone was bringing up the idea that, you know, assuming I apologize to whoever brought it up. I'm sure someone was pointing out on Twitter, but whoever is assuming that Christian McCaffrey is not going to play and that you can't draft him because he's not going to play any games this year. Like, like you're too confident in your ability to predict injuries. Yeah. Not only do I agree with that, but there's also that element of assuming Christian McCaffrey is going to be injured and other backs who are drafted in that range are going to be healthy is being too confident. Mm-hmm. Like assuming that Jonathan Taylor is going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. I would love it if he is, but can't count on that. Austin Eckler, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Najee Harris, same thing. Like, like, like those guys, Delvin Cook, Derrick Henry, you know, it's great if those guys are 100%. And I hope they all have healthy seasons, but you can't count on that. The variance for these guys when it comes to their health is so dramatic from year to year that I think you have to approach it like getting 17 games out of a, a, a 
you know, a running back one taken in the first half of the first round is you're lucky as opposed to being smart. So to me, I think yep. I'm, I'm nervous about Christian McCaffrey, but I think given how he's played over the past couple of years, he has been so good and so productive. So when he good. That's what makes it more frustrating when he gets hurt. Right. Like, no, come on, man. Right. Like, please. Like just my dad had a theory when he was mm-hmm. coaching and I have no, this is anecdotal. So yes. as much, most coaching theories are uh, the, that the worst the line or or the scheme of the stuff that where there's more free free runners in the run game a free runner being a guy in the waiting for him in the hole which I think you can find statistically and stuff like that but that the worse that offensive line the more free free runners there are the more the running back is going to get hurt and the more fumbles are going to happen mm-hmm. and it makes sense you, those are clean shots from either a linebacker or a defensive lineman those guys are going to outweigh the running back almost all the time and it's when they don't have full momentum and the defensive player usually does. Mm-hmm. And I think because that offensive line has been so porous in Carolina that it's, that might contribute to it. That's just more of a side theory <laughs> for all of this too. Yes. So I, maybe that a little healthier offensive line will help him not get as many clean shots. It's just like a quarterback taking a shot to the helmet over and over and over because the offensive line can't block. Mm -hmm. I think the same stuff happens for running backs because they can't get a forward momentum and they're taking the, they, (laughs) this is why I can never play running back or really as a ball carrier Mm -hmm. is not only because I'm talking about not only because I'm six, four and run a five, two forty. We we have video footage that, uh, that, that proves that's not the case. Oh man, crazy legs. Yeah, getting those strides going. Mm-hmm. But is that you have to meet the tackler at full speed because it's a you know it's a momentum thing. It's force, mm-hmm. you know, force in the physics way. Mm-hmm. So it's that when you're not able to build that up, and that's why the bigger running backs they already have the weight mm-hmm. to them. But if you're 205 pounds like CMC is, you have to have the momentum behind yep. it. So 100%. yeah, just a little little anecdotal physics. I don't know where I'm going with here, but that, that's a that's a good little mini point to end it on. <laughs> Classic Nate Tice mini mini take mini point to finish up the show there. Nate, where can people listen to more of your mini points, your mini takes, and your full size points and takes? Uh, yes, the grand scale of points and takes. Uh, you can mainly find me on the Athletic Football Show with Mobert rays uh you'll hear us once the season starts sunday or we do a sunday live show comes out mondays as and then we also have friday shows as well there's other shows throughout the week on the feed but those are the ones i am featured on uh and then you'll find me also my writing uh uh, at the athletic uh nate tice that's my name it's not nathan tice i don't have a pen name and then also you can find my x's and o's stuff yeah some more more football stuff right now some wrestling stuff soccer is dead right now so no soccer takes Mm -hmm. on twitter at nate underscore tice uh and that's yeah that's the main three now just a man going viral on Twitter, just casually during the off season. Right, just sitting on an airplane, just posting just some memes, fi- fi- firing off Kimes level uh, t- Twitter Twitter likes. Just some wholesome content on that on that on that timeline for me. Just some wholesome content, you know, some good old dad jokes. Good old dad jokes from Nate Tice. Nate, thank you so much, my friend. Thanks for having me, Bill. All right, thanks so much to my friend, Nate Tice. Check his work out at The Athletic. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We have more coming next week. More football preview, audio, fantasy, all kinds of stuff on the way here on The Bill Barnwell Show. Thanks so much for listening.